Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Copernica. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. But some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after Jesus had given thanks. So, When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Copernica looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us have a moment of prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That, Lord, in this word for us today, we would see you. We would see where it is you are leading us. And, Lord, that you would help to guide us as we move ever further into an uncertain future. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I don't know how many of you have traveled throughout the state, um, but many of you probably know that section of 64 right past Crozet as you're going up to Afton Mountain. Does anybody know that, that section of road? So um, I grew up in Virginia Beach. Um, my parents' families were both from West Virginia. And so we would often go up there for holidays. We'd often spend weeks up there during the summer. 
And I remember going up there as a little kid, and I loved going over the mountains as we went and got into West Virginia. But as I started driving, there was one mountain that was always really tricky to drive over. And I think hearing that and hearing Afton Mountain, many of you know why. So many of you who have driven over Afton Mountain probably know that the fog, the clouds, they settle on the top of the mountain, and it makes it very difficult to see. Even the car that may only be about a little bit in front of you. I remember the first time that I was tasked with driving that section, I was unaware of the, I was unaware or I was unable to really contemplate how I was supposed to do this section of the journey. And calmly, as my dad always would do, son, there are some lights on the side of the road. Try not to hit the red ones. (laughs) I often think to myself, whenever I read this passage, that story always comes back to me. And as I drive to West Virginia, even nowadays with my family, whether it's in the middle of a blizzard, in the middle of a rainstorm, whether it's really foggy, I always look for the signs that help to guide me for where I need to be going. The reflectors on the side of the road, the brake lights of the car ahead of me, even sometimes just the little bit that my headlights can illuminate on the journey, keeping my eyes peeled for the signs around me that point me in the direction that I need to go. It's funny what a role certain signs can play in helping us get places safely and in the right direction. As we enter this passage today before us, We do so having come off of the heels of last week's passage of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. However, at the end of the verse last week, I cut off the absolute last verse because I knew I was going to be preaching this sermon. Well, I thought I would be preaching this sermon, and then I knew I would be preaching this sermon. You see, the interesting thing is that there are six signs in John that are undisputable signs as labeled by the gospel writer. And then there is some debate and, and misunderstanding and discussion about what is the seventh sign. Many theologians landing on this sign right here. They all agree on the other six. But it's this one that there's some discussion over because John actually never says sign in this passage. And when John does say sign in this story, or in the extension of this story as we move on in John chapter 6, he's referring to the sign of feeding the 5,000 people. Not of Jesus walking on water. But here's what I think. And I know it's dangerous for a pastor to tell you what they think from the pulpit. But here's at least my understanding. I think because of how we define sign, how we look at things that happen in our lives, and what ultimately the Gospel of John is trying to tell us, that to look at this action of Christ in this story, we see the way in which the nature of Christ portrayed here for the disciples helps us to know and understand and see something that is beyond Christ himself, to know and understand God deeper. And isn't that the very nature that I've started this series with? As I said, as I read through this passage, my mind goes back to those days going over that foggy mountain over Afton Mountain. It goes to the heavy rain or snow that will often plague that drive. 
Sometimes it even goes to those late night trail runs when I was in high school, helping friends, older friends in the running community, train for ultra marathons and thinking they're crazy because we can't even see the tree that is five inches from our face. You see, a story like this points us toward an understanding that Jesus is our guide, our helper. Jesus is a lighthouse of sorts in uncertain times, helping us to navigate. Right? Notice that transition verse in verse 14, 15. My apologies. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And so there's a couple of things happening in this section of story. We remember that Jesus in his earthly ministry, there is no definition of what Jesus wants, right? Just as we saw when Jesus was interacting with the Pharisees, Jesus does not want to be labeled as this eternal figure. Jesus does not need the praise from these people to know who exactly he is. He just wants to point people towards who they need to be in his name, to point them towards this life that they gain through belief in God. And so even worse than experiencing persecution for who he is, God forbid, literally, Jesus wants to sit on a literal throne with a literal crown on his head. I find it interesting that John includes this verse in this passage because it is what draws Jesus away from the crowd and into an isolated and meditative state. Right? These people, they want Jesus to be something that he both is and is not. Right? We know that Jesus is Lord. We know that Jesus is the King of Kings. And yet, when we try and say those things, when we try and do those things, when we try and place those titles on Jesus... We do it in a way that Jesus is not necessarily looking for it to be done. Right? They wanted to put him on a throne. And Jesus knows that his throne is in heaven. And so Jesus withdraws himself. Jesus withdraws himself so that he can be in a time of prayer. And he leaves the disciples. And so in a very real, physical sense, the disciples are alone without their teacher, without their rabbi there to guide them. And so I imagine one of the disciples, probably Peter, because he likes to think himself the leader most of the time, says, hey, the next place he said we were going to go is Capernaum. Why don't we go ahead and work our way over there? And so they begin to cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, they, if you look at the Sea of Galilee on a map, it's a very long lake. And they're going, if this is the southern end and this is the northern end, and up here on the northern end is Capernaum, the city of Capernaum. Now, they weren't going from, north, from south to north. They were actually going from about right over here in this uh, west, western side in a city called Tiberias, and they were going across to Capernaum. It's about a, a six-and-a-half to seven-mile journey. And we're told that about three to four miles, so we think to ourselves about halfway through their journey, they have been tossed and turned about by this storm that has developed over the Sea of Galilee. And they see this figure coming from Tiberias. Now, it doesn't say it in the scripture. And again, this is Pastor Andrew, so take with it what you want. 
I like to think of this ethereal presence around Jesus that almost illuminates him, that almost makes him stand out from the darkness. And as the disciples see this presence walking towards them, they recognize it as Jesus. But here's the thing. As with all of these signs, it's less about what physically happens in this passage, and it's more about what it means spiritually for each and every one of us. And for that, we look in verse 20 and 21, where Jesus, coming to them, says to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Yeah, because that's really going to work for a guy walking on water. (laughs) Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. It is I, Jesus says. Or in other translations, I am. The very name of God that is given to Moses when Moses meets God on the mountaintop. The very name and presence of God that exists through every fiber of every being in creation. I am. Do not be afraid. A position of comfort offered by Jesus in the midst of a tumultuous journey. However, even beyond that, when the disciples try and bring him in the boat, they now realize that they have reached their destination. It's as if the presence of the one who is guides and shepherds them in an uncertain time. Jesus becomes for the disciples a guide and a helper in their efforts to cross this body of water in the midst of this storm and thereby teaching us a metaphor for the nature in which we travel in a spiritual sense in our lives. Have you ever felt spiritually lost? Have you ever felt like even in the midst of knowing where you are going, you are not sure if you can make it? In the midst of this passage, Jesus recognizes the place that he needs to be to hold in the world. And as Jesus approaches the disciples and sees their struggle, he guides and helps them. Right? How often do we try and be like the people of the crowd in verse 15? Trying to dictate exactly who we think Jesus needs to be for us. Jesus longs to be alongside of us on the journey. The disciples knew that their rabbi would be there. And they quickly realized as they went off on their own that he was right there along next to them. And it is Jesus' calming presence that the disciples complete their journey and cross the sea. We come here in our lives. We have embarked on this spiritual journey expecting Jesus or God to dictate the matter that our life should take. We call on God to tell us exactly what we should do, exactly where we should go, and even exactly how we should get there. And oftentimes, we do this in the name of often leaving God behind. But here we go. 
Yes, God offers vision. God offers purpose. God offers calling. And yes, at some point in time, we must embark on that journey. But friends, we must always recognize that Jesus is right alongside of us. Even in the toughest situations to help us reach our destination. The best part is we can't leave Jesus behind. It may feel like we have. It may feel like to us Jesus has withdrawn himself from our lives. We may feel spiritually alone and lost. And yet in the midst of our deepest and darkest times, Jesus shows up, continuing to guide and shepherd us. To take up the mantle and the role as we go along these journeys. You know, today is All Saints Sunday, as Bob mentioned. And as we think about the journey that so many who have gone before us have been on, we think about the way and nature that Jesus has led each and every one of them, has led them to be a part of this community, a part of this church, has led them in mission and ministry for all the nature of good here in Suffolk, Virginia. And on a day like today, as we experience deep pain, deep sorrow, and deep loss, friends, we may feel spiritually lost. We may feel spiritually alone. It's okay to admit that there is a hole in our hearts and spirits that we feel may never be filled. Because as soon as we admit it, Jesus comes and helps us. Jesus comes and guides and shepherds us. Jesus comes and knows that everything will be okay. That the kingdom of God will continue. And that in the midst of loss, we continue to gain insight and understanding into God's kingdom. In the midst of all that goes before us, continues to lead and guide us to become part of God's kingdom ourselves, places us in the forthcoming journey of not just our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. To know and trust in Jesus and to know and trust that he is always there guiding us even when we feel empty, heartbroken, or even lost. Jesus shines the light on the way forward so that we can always find our way to Capernaum. And magically, we end up there. Amen. Friends, I need a moment of pause and reflection as we move forward in our worship service. I would ask that let us sing our, our hymn of preparation before we go into a time of prayer. <laughs>